I won't go into cemeteries at night. It's been a long-standing rule of mine. I believe spirits have more power and presence after dark, and that we need to respect it as their time. Invading the space dedicated to them during peak hours, so to speak, is just asking for trouble. I've been susceptible to strange things since I was a little girl. For a year or two after my grandmother passed away, I could still see her sitting at the foot of my bed, or wandering in the garden. It never scared me. On the contrary, I found it comforting to know she was watching over us. As I grew up, I saw things less and less, but felt them all the time. That's why when my partner and I went on a Valentine's Day ghost tour that included stopping off at a cemetery, I opted to stay by the gate. The rest of our group walked toward a supposedly haunted mausoleum. I didn't budge. The tour guide begged me to fall in line for safety reasons, so I relented. Just as well. Our trek through the cemetery was uneventful and the tour itself rather corny. When I got home, however, something felt off. In the weeks following, my partner and I fell into petty arguments over everything. Not a habit for us. During our fights, it was as if the room became darker, the shadows closing in like something was egging us on, feeding off the negativity. More than once, I stopped to ask, why are we even fighting about this? And suddenly, it was as if a light had been switched on. The spell would break, and neither of us would be able to remember what the fuss was about. We would see unaccountable shadows in the hall and bathrooms. The dogs would growl at nothing. The feeling of being watched made our skin crawl day and night. The doors of empty rooms would slam. Objects would disappear and turn up in unusual places almost daily. The tipping point was my sleep talking. My partner would wake up in the middle of the night to find me staring at him. Though I seemed focused and wide awake, I was anything but. Sometimes I would talk to him and tell him things that I had done to hurt other people, or things I wanted to do. Luckily, when he tried to wake me in these instances, I would snap out of it, with no memory of what I'd done. I asked a friend's husband to bless me, after which the sleep-talking stopped. We wafted sage through the house and tried multiple binding or cleansing rituals, hoping to compel whatever had followed us home from the cemetery to leave. Eventually, we bound the entity in a guest room closet. Better than nothing, I suppose. For months afterwards, the room felt heavy and unwelcoming. Any time I pulled sheets or winter coats from the guest room closet, I would be overcome with dizziness and had to leave for fear of getting sick. The chunk of rose quartz I'd placed on the closet shelf would almost always have found its way to the floor outside as if tossed in defiance, and on one occasion I distinctly heard a low growl rumbling from the back corner. My partner's daughter would stay with us from time to time. After everything that had been going on, I was hesitant to have her spend the weekend knowing she'd have to stay in the guest room. She was ten years old with already one negative paranormal experience under her belt. She stayed with us despite my misgivings. That Sunday, as I went to collect her things, I was shocked. I walked in, steeled for the sickening feeling I'd grown to expect, and felt nothing. The room was bright, calm. The lingering energy had vanished. Even the closet felt peaceful. I turned and saw my dachshund nearby, staring at nothing and wagging her tail. She play bowed and rolled on her back, clearly asking for tummy rubs, then happily trotted out of the room. I told my partner this later. He smiled and told me his grandfather's spirit stays around his daughter, and that the man had had an affinity for small dogs, 
I'll never know if this was what finally pushed the unwanted entity out, but I'm grateful. And I've learned my lesson. No more cemeteries after dark. Hi, I'm Jamie Markey. And I'm Michael Tatum. And this is Ghoul Intentions. I'm trying not to get overly excited because I know it's a point of He long distance high fived me. I did. It was amazing. <laughs> we're very proud of ourselves. We're just, we're getting this down. We are. We're doing such a good job it's, at saying our names. It's, it's just, it's harder than you think. It is. It is. That's <laughs> our name. Who wrote that story? That comes from Emily. That was such a good yeah, story. And, really, really good. And, and accurate. And Don't fucking go into a cemetery fight. I feel like you and Emily could hang out because you're not going to. We know. What's gonna, up? Go to the places where you, you, you're just no fun. You don't want to go into woods. No, that's on record. You don't want to. You yep. don't want to go to cemeteries nope. after dark. Don't want to do it. Anywhere else you won't go. Abandoned buildings. Abandoned buildings. Not. Nope. Not happening. <laughs> I'm kind of with you on the abandoned buildings, though. Those uh -huh. freak me out. I had a partner once years ago who loved to uh, go to abandoned buildings to get photos, and he was really good at taking those photos. But I was like, it's illegal and risky and it's the floors are gonna cave in and you're gonna crash down and die yeah yeah right. and i'm like is it worth the shot right and he'd always say yes of course and i guess i respect the dedication to his art but i didn't want to be around there when you know the you check. don't want to be the sacrifice i, I, I didn't want to be at the table when the check came let's just put it that right. way right gotcha yeah um yeah, just i'm just uninterested even when i was a kid there was this old abandoned like factory um, that people would go in all the time. And every year, like one or two kids would die because they fell through the roof or fell, you know, through, fell through a higher floor to the mm. lower floors. And there were homeless people that lived in there and, you know, mm -hmm. vagrants and probably drug deals and all kinds of that's That's fun, the biggest reason for me stuff. not to go in there. Is, yeah, is, it is never even that. became an option for me to go into that building I and people i mean know. they were it was oh we should go one day no no <laughs> you're like no I'm in not, fact i'm telling no i'm not doing that <laughs> so in the in the horror movies where there's the one person that's like the mothering one that's like this is stupid that's you that's me you're like this is how we die guys right. this is I'm how not... the side characters all die yes um. <laughs> and i am not going to be a part of this film i'm going home <laughs> i'm going to make my own romantic comedy something <laughs> Something. It's going to be comedy, though, for sure. Um, what's, the, what's the title for today's so today's episode? title comes from, I believe it's Cornelia Funke. Funke? Funke. Like German funky, name, yes. but fun, Funke. 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 <laughs> um, yes, she's a German writer. She wrote Inkart, the Inkart series. Oh, okay. It's so good. I, I've heard of it. I, I, yes. I should, I really and so should the, get to it. It's so good. The title is A Fear You Cannot Name. Mm. And the line itself is such a good line. Uh, Nothing is more frightening than a fear you cannot name. Ooh. Based upon what you're talking about and what I'm talking about. Yeah. We got um, some good ones today. It's weird that our title is based upon things we're talking about. I don't even know why I said that. Obviously. It is. <laughs> um, what are the chances? I know. Ah. Uh, so this week... For me. Uh, oh, what are, you um, doing? what are you doing? I'm so excited. I got distracted 
watching because we talked about it in the last uh ghost of Holes episode we were watching these videos yeah of, like spooky videos and stuff like that um like and ghosts caught on film stuff yes like that. and and who we were watching we didn't even mention him um yeah, yeah. is is nukes top five is yeah, that what it is and you yeah. we both really like his voice he's not trying to sell you on the spook he lets yeah the he's supernatural happen. and just or, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he's, sorry he's very natural he's super natural <laughs> you said it you said yeah. it I heard it totally it. is an unintentional pun, which is now going to be a t-shirt. Yeah, um, right. He's really natural and just engaging. I like his voice, and he and he's man. He must scour the web for these I videos because a lot of them are very like I wouldn't. I there's there, I wouldn't call them obscure. Well, yeah, they're obscure. Like I don't know where the hell he finds. I them, haven't but seen them all before. I haven't. Uh, yeah, it's and it's really hard to find stuff we haven't seen. Right. Because like this is the he, this is what we use the internet for. Right. And he he edits them really well, so mm -hmm. he puts music behind them. Yeah. And it's nice and subtle. It's not overpowering. And he is yeah, he's just natural. He's not trying to sell you on the spookiness with his voice being spooky, yeah. which normally you know is a fail. And my least favorite thing is when they do the the computerized <sighs> voice. Sorry, oh, yeah, if you it's do the so computer, it just it's offensive don't... to voice actors to I, hear. That's probably what it the, is. Just the... on a fundamental level, it's like there yeah. are people who could read that successfully. Right. It's also just like the uncanny valley when you hear that voice going, "Hello, welcome to this place." Uh, right, right. You're like, don't that's... like it. It, you jam. sound like a person, but you don't sound like a person. Exactly. Anyway, but yeah, but Nuke's Top Five is a really cool channel. Really There's good. all kinds of uh, creepy stuff on there. A lot, a lot of it, a lot of it's like ghost yeah. video or ghost footage. The only thing is, it'll be like top five. Uh, ghost caught on camera but there's like 40 different videos yeah, of the yeah. top so I, I sometimes get those confused that's my that's the that would thing. be my complaint but, but like, what else are you gonna so call much. it new top five okay right. top Second, 40 the other top five Billboard. the other other top five um <laughs> but they're really good and he's a really yeah. good uh presenter content provider yes, so very much check so. him out we like him a lot um i hope to meet him one day yes and uh so there was one video, and I can't remember what it was, but it was there were all of these cops that had gone to this house, and it I believe was in Mexico, and um, they it starts kind of with this interview with a cop who said that he had gone into the house, they'd received a call, and they um, I think he's speaking in Spanish, and they had gone in and uh, saw stuff flying in the house, mm. and as he was leaving, a knife flew across the room, thrown by unseen hands. And hit him in the back. Oof. And he said if it wasn't for his bulletproof vest, he probably would have been hurt Oof. by the knife. And so you see this video of all of these cops standing outside. And they're video like they've got their phones up and they're trying to take pictures uh -huh. of the house. And you can see something fly across the room inside the house at one oh. point. And almost everybody's out. Oh. And um it was just a it would it would be and I believe the the um the church was involved as well. So mm. if it was a hoax, it would be a hoax by the family, the church, and the police. And there's something so, about there's something about people in positions of authority, particularly law enforcement, when they say something's gone down, like I I tend to believe it right. more than if it's a civilian. Well, yeah, because Sometimes. they have depend, to do paperwork. On the civilian, of course. They have to like, do paperwork about it. Yeah. Well, and they they're just they're they're they see shit. They see some yes, shit. Yes. So for anything to stand out, you know it right. has to be pretty goddamn exactly. amazing. Exactly. Or and I know there's amazing maybe isn't the best is word. The movie Veronica. It's another Spanish speaking film, I think. And it's um and it's based upon a case that a guy had that he had to file all this paperwork on, and it's his notes about how he walked into a house and I think he saw this girl levitating and all this kind of stuff. And mm -hmm. so the movie is 
based upon that. It's wow. a great movie, though. It's really nice and creepy. Um, well, and they're trained observers. I mean, that's yeah. part of their thing. Is like part of your job is to look so you can be as impartial as as right. humanly possible right. because this is probably going to come up in court. Yeah. And, well, and I think you know, you know, we expect them along with firefighters and nurses mm -hmm. and you know, but in this case, first like responders in particular, they're trained to deal in emergency situations and know a solution. Yes. And when they don't have one because they don't know what's going on. There, there's some shit happening. And I love it. It's so compelling. <laughs> I love reading about it. I love reading about it. Is this what you're doing? Is this what you're yes. doing today? So <gasps> I'm not doing the history of anything. No, no history. But I am just going to read a bunch of stories that cops you're have You're doing a told. buffet of I'm doing law enforcement. a buffet. I love it. Of law enforcement stories. I love it. There's a whole bunch of them. I, I pared it down. I just to, cartoon left. But it's I was still so a excited. I know. Okay. Okay. Are you ready? I know, but that's why I want to do it. All right. First. Okay. Now this one, uh, just a trigger warning. It does mention rape and some other things, so just be ready for that. Thank you um, for the I'm warning. I'm starting with the harsh one. I'm a detective and spent some time as an expert on sex crimes and crimes against children. It was the best slash worst assignment I've had. One case I had came in at midnight. A young woman with a toddler comes in to one of the precincts to report her ex-boyfriend raped her during a custody argument. Oh, Long story short, it was legit and one of the most violent and sadistic cases I've ever had, so I'll spare the gruesome details. Ugh. I still have no idea how this woman made her own way to a precinct with a toddler. Part of the Jesus. investigation requires me to talk to the toddler. Victim said the toddler was present for everything. Oh, my God. God. I'm a child forensic interviewer as well. During the interview, the toddler recalls their father becoming angry and hitting the mom. Then the toddler said that the nice woman showed up and she couldn't see past the nice woman. The nice woman held her and told her they were both going to be safe and sang her a song in a different language. The toddler said the nice woman went over to the front door and knocked on the door. Then the nice woman helped them and, and their mom to the car before flying away. Oh, okay. In the victim's interview, she said that her ex-boyfriend had a knife to her throat and put it to the skin to cut her throat open, but he got distracted for some reason, then ran out of the apartment. She had no explanation why. The suspect was caught about eight hours later. He confessed to absolutely everything. When I asked him about the knife to the throat, he said this. I swear to God I was going to cut the bitch's throat open, but I thought I heard a knock at the door and thought it was the police. Once I saw it was clear, I ran outside. He is now serving life in prison, and the mom and toddler are safe and doing well. I'd love to know more about the nice woman. Hell yeah. Oh, thank you, nice woman. Yeah. Yeah. So, God, I don't, even have a, I don't even know how to comment on that. I know. I know. <sighs> Of course, there's always people who can say, you know, they're dealing with it in a certain way. But when the knocking on the door, yeah, but when there's actually external, like, yeah, thing yeah, that, like something kind of elevates oh. the story quite a bit. And so I got these from Reddit and Ranker, which Ranker is basically Reddit stories anyway. So okay. that's where I got all these from. Okay, uh, I went deep. Wow. I went deep. Wow. Oh. Okay. Oh. I remember my this number two. <laughs> number two. I remember my father telling me a story when of when he was a police officer in New Hampshire. One night, dispatch gets a call from someone reporting to have seen a little girl run wandering around a lake by herself. Ooh. That night, my father was on duty, and every available police officer responded to try and find this little girl. My father was the first to arrive with his partner. As they exit their car, they slowly start to walk towards the lake. As they near the water, my father's partner hits him on the shoulder and points towards the lake. And there stands this little girl. 
My father said when he turned to see her standing in the water, and every hair on the back of his neck stood up once he saw her. It was 2 a.m. and in November, so it was very cold outside. He said she was in a white nightgown with no shoes standing in the water. They both look at each other knowing that something wasn't right about the situation. They report to dispatch that they found the girl. They walk a little closer, and my father kneels down and holds his arms out and calls for the girl to come to him. The little girl then turns her attention to my father and slowly starts to walk towards him from out of the water. As this is happening, another unit pulls up to witness this girl walking up to my father. Just as the little girl is within eight feet of my father, she disappears, and there was nothing left but tiny little footprints in the dirt. They all stand there in disbelief trying to figure out what just happened, and one of the police officers turns and says, how the fuck are we going to explain this? (laughs) That's a legit reaction. Uh How the fuck? What? How? The paperwork. like Little bitches in white. They're not even... They're not even... How do you... There's not even boxes on the form for this. I know. How do you explain that? <laughs> like, well... Do they, they all have to do the paperwork for that? Or does just one of them have They to? all have to. That's incredible. I presume. I mean, I... Because... here And here's the thing. Like, I wonder... God, I wonder... I wish someone... I, somebody out there has to be able to answer this. Um, that, that's a listener, I hope. Um, but I would like to know... Is there... Does the paperwork that that uh, law enforcement uh, officials have to fill out does it accommodate bizarre shit like this? Right. Like, is there How is there they... an other box that you can yeah. check? And and if so, like, what are next steps? Like, are there are there paragraphs on the form? <laughs> <laughs> is there a space to going, write in like, supernatural? Was it a UFO? Was it a go? Did subject disappear? <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, like I want to know. Like in front of your eyes. Yeah, I yeah. want. I want to know if if the paperwork, uh, you know, uh, accounts for yes that, that eventuality because it happens clearly. Yeah. Well. And oh, that's so great. That's the other so thing that great. gets me about this too is both of the both of them as they got there were like and they saw her were like something's not right. I mean, obviously something that's not right, but right. because but there's a little like, girl, but there's instinct. just something else. Well, and we, we know from experience, when you see something, when you see an apparition, there's something about, uh, kind of like hearing, you know, a, a, an electronic voice or seeing a robot that's supposed to look like a person, the Uncanny Valley effect. It There's just something that you're like, this isn't, this isn't, what, what is this? This isn't what it looks like. Yeah. And there's something in the back right. of our minds that, that. Sometimes, sometimes there's not. And, um. And 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 you, it's just a and person. It's, only it's just a fucking person. Yeah, but yeah, Ooh. so crazy, mm, mm, so mm, crazy. Mm. Okay, okay, man, these are good. I love yeah, them. they're so oh, good. Oh god. Okay. Police officer working the desk, fifteen hundred to twenty three hundred. Fire alarm signals goes off. Many many years ago, the police department offered alarm monitoring service. Still had ten to twelve places that were hardwired, and it would require pulling apart a lot of equipment to disconnect the system. So we just kept it going. First shift dispatch is already punched in, so she took it. I'm headed out the door to the fire department when 911 rings from the same address. I answer it. No one on the other end. Assumed they barely got to call before passing out. I bolt out the back door, hop in a squad car, radio in the 911 call on channel 3 that both, both police and fire can hear, and then I'm going directly to the house. Arrive just as another unit shows up. No signs of smoke. No signs of anything. Older woman comes walking up the street, pushing a wheelchair with an elderly lady, her mother. They live there and just went out for an early evening stroll before dinner. 
Tell them what we have going on. Nobody else lives there. And as far as the elderly lady can remember, the alarm was disconnected from the house years ago during some renovations. They don't have any alarm system either. Just a couple of smoke fire detectors. Okay. Okay. Yeah. (laughs) We do a walk around the house, get to the back door of the kitchen, and you can clearly see and smell gas. We turned off the gas at the main, set up some fans to air it out, and find a cracked gas line going to the oven. Daughter said she spilled some coffee she was making for their walk and had to move the oven a few inches to clean, probably broke the line pushing the oven back in. Nothing else in the house is disturbed, and both phones are on the hook. Fire chief shows up about 15 minutes into the call. He goes over to the two ladies and gives them both a hug. He's nearly in tears. The elderly lady in the wheelchair, her husband was the fire chief 60 plus years ago for our department. Their daughter, her husband, passed away a few years ago. He was also a member of our department. Never believed in ghosts or spirits, but that call made me think maybe people who spend their lives doing good are allowed by some power to look over their loved ones every so often. Oh, wow. Isn't that crazy? Oh, wow. Oh, oh I'm going to tear up at that I point. know. It's so good. <laughs> oh. It's so good. Like, where's the 911 phone call come from? Why is this alarm going off for no reason? I've heard stories similar, mm-hmm. too. Yeah. About, like, someone just, like, like the was the, one, the old lady who's, who's a parent, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, deceased husband was calling so that the mm-hmm. ABM teams would be there before. Yes, she yes. had an issue. Absolutely. Yeah. I almost read that one, but I didn't because I felt like. Oh, you know the story. Yes, yeah, yeah, I know. Yeah. yeah, and then they they look and the guy's waving. They see a guy waving yeah, and they go yeah. look and there's nobody in there. Yeah. And then he describes the guy oh, to the woman oh, when she's in the hospital. She's like, That's my husband. That's my husband. Yeah. He died like last year. Or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my god. So good. I love, I love it. Oh. Okay. Oh my god. Okay. Okay. A friend's father is a police officer in one of the larger villagers. Villages? Villagers? In villages. one of the larger villagers. He's There's a, police a very large villager. A villager. That's how large the villager story. is. <laughs> He's got his own zip code. Brum, yes. bum, bum. Hey, no shame. No. Um, uh, larger villages of Illinois. <laughs> he and his partner were working night shift when they were called to investigate a suspected break-in at the local morgue. They arrived to find the custodian waiting for them out front. The custodian said that he'd been mopping one of the corridors and had seen something move in his peripheral vision. He looked up and saw a person quickly cross from one side of the hallway to the other. He couldn't tell much about the person as he'd been turning the lights off as he worked his way through the building, just a dim outline, but enough to be sure of what he'd seen. He was unarmed, so called the police and stepped up, stepped outside to wait. My friend's dad and his partner entered the morgue. They started off by calling out to anyone who might be inside. No answer. Then began to do a sweep, walking down the central corridor with their hands on their guns, checking each room to the side, occasionally calling out for any intruder to show themselves. My friend's dad came upon a room with a light off, pitch black inside. He fumbled for the switch and flicked it. The room lit up, nothing but an empty waiting room for relatives of the dead. He heard his partner call out, hey, stop, turn around. Friend's dad swung back out into the corridor and his partner had unholstered his gun, was pointing it at the end of the long corridor. He said, she went around that corner. Then the custodian said, she's trapped. No exits that way. They had the custodian lock himself into the waiting room for safety. Then they advanced down the corridor, calling to the woman to show herself that they wouldn't hurt her. This time, my friend's dad reached the end first and with his back to the wall, peered around the corner. The woman was standing by a big gray door. Lights were off here too, so it was hard to see her clearly, but he could see she wasn't holding a gun, had long, fair hair. 
He stepped out from behind the corner to talk to her, but she opened the door, disappeared into the dark inside, and shut it firmly behind her. He sprinted up to the door and pulled up the handle. Locked. Banged on it for a while and called out to her, but no answer. The door had a deadlock on it, so his partner brought over the custodian to unlock it. They turned on their flashlights to see better. The custodian rounded the corner and faltered a little. This door? You sure? This door doesn't lock from the inside. The custodian found the right key and carefully turned in, turned it in the lock. Click. We're coming in. Have your hands up. They entered the room, flashlights illuminating every corner. The custodian hit the light switch and the room lit up. It was empty, except for some equipment against the wall and two gurneys in the middle of the room. One was empty and one was covered in a sheet with what appeared to be a body underneath it. Nice hiding spot. My friend's dad approached and it was the smell that first spooked him. It smelled like a corpse. He pulled the sheet down and there the woman lay, <gasps> straggly light brown hair all around her face. The tag on her toe said she died four days ago. Oh. Friend's father is a devout Christian so does not believe in ghosts or the supernatural even now. Doesn't know what to make of this event. Oh, oh. Mm-hmm. Oh my god! <laughs> I know. Fucking belongs in a horror movie. I know. That's some it's horror so movie good. shit right there. It's so good. Yeah, yeah. And oh so my on god. this, this was one of the ones on Reddit where they're like, "Hey, cops out there, tell us your most supernatural stories or whatever." They have creepy stories too, and those are dark. Oh, um, I bet. But the supernatural stories are where a lot of these are from. Oh. Um, okay. Oh my god. Oh I know. So god. good. I love oh. that one. I love that one. It's broad daylight outside while we record this. I know. I keep getting goosebumps. (laughs) Chicken skin. Goosebumps. (laughs) I was a deputy sheriff for 13 years, and the majority of that time, I worked in a large jail with a big population. I was a team leader of the tactical response team that roamed the hallways and responded to all the emergencies that would arise. Not just fights, but medical emergencies, too. We had a set of cells in the admissions area that were isolation cells for inmates who just got there and were problems, either mentally or physically. I responded one night to a guy who took his pants off and tried hanging himself in the cell. He had a really good attempt and had to be rushed to the hospital. When we reviewed the camera footage to assist with our report, all you noticed was him standing quietly in the cell for minutes, looking at the camera. The camera glitches out, and when it comes back on, he's hanging himself. The next three days in the same cell, we had similar incidents. One guy was successful in bashing his head into the wall so hard it killed him. Oh, fuck. But every time we would watch the tapes, the guy would be standing there, watching the camera, minutes before the attempt, and then the camera glitches. To this day, cell three still freaks me out. Makes me think there was an entity in that cell causing people to kill themselves. Ooh. Oh. Just the idea of someone staring at the camera, then it glitching, and then you see them. These are all such great fucking scenes from horror movies. I like, know. I, like I want to. I'm already writing scripts in my head. <laughs> I know. Oh I know. God. Oh. This is why there are so many of them. I no can't help shit. myself. These are great. Um. Yeah. Okay. My brother is a deputy, and at the time, I worked as an EMT for a few small towns in Northeast Colorado. I frequently went on rides along with him while waiting for 911 calls to come in. This took place in Amherst, Colorado. The town is very small. Amherst has about 50 people, a church, some houses, a grain tower, and a park. It was about 3 a.m., and we were about to call it a night. As we were making our last check on Amherst, we noticed movement at the park, but couldn't tell exactly what was going on because it was pitch black. 
We drove up and stopped alongside the dirt road, flipped on the spotlight, and as we moved the light around the park, it finally settled on the back of a young girl, maybe 13, sitting on a swing with her back facing us. We left the spotlight on her and she wasn't moving. She just sat there facing away from us, looking down at the ground. Needless to say, it was a very creepy situation. We both looked at each other with that face you would make when something is out of the ordinary. I quickly suggested that we should call her over using the PA system. He agreed. As we looked back over, she was gone. I mean, no signs of anyone anywhere. The park was in a wide open area. She couldn't have gotten out of sight in the amount of time that we had our exchange of words. I remember saying, should we get out and look for her? Maybe she had behind one of the park toys or something. My brother just looked at me and said, hell to the no, and drove away. <laughs> it still creeps me out to this day. Oh. Yeah. Oh. oh so good. Oh, God. Oh, I, I know. love it. I love Jamie. This is so good. <laughs> I'm like, oh, my God. This... I know. Right, it's freaking me out, and it's getting the creative juices flowing. I'm like, I know. It's oh, so good. hey, I've got ideas for yeah. a short film now. Well, and I wonder how often that happens where they are like, what is going on over here? And they see someone, and then that person just disappears. What do you do? Have you seen um, Have you seen the footage? It's a dash cam footage from years ago now um, of cops chasing a car, mm-hmm. and uh, it's you know it's uh, it's a high speed chase, and the cop uh, the the squad car is like on this person's ass, like yeah. they are doing a hell of a job keeping up with them, and at some point uh, you can see them the whole time. They never leave you, and and it's it's really dramatic looking because it's it I cannot myself figure out how this could have been faked but at some point the car uh, you only see the taillights of like takes a sharp turn like clearly to try to get the fuck away from them and the cop follows and it's a field right and it's a fucking there's a chain link goddamn fence yeah between the cop car the hood of the cop car and and the taillights that keep on going and how the fuck that that car got through there because mm-hmm. they, 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 I guess they, they showed the whole area. Like there's, there's no opening there. There's nothing. It's just a big fucking fence. Nothing. It wasn't like disconnected. Like it's mm-hmm. not like they could have gone underneath it as though it were a curtain or something like that. Right. It was, it was just a fucking fence and the car had no problem going through it. It's, it's a really dramatic piece of footage. As far as I know, no one's debunked it. Yeah. It's, I've seen that. I know what yeah. you're talking about. It's, it's really like, oh, what the, how the, what the, yeah, I mean, yeah. It, and it just makes me think how often that happens. You know, how often that I must mean, it happen, must happen you know? a lot. I mean, yeah. there's a lot of cops out there well, that are on the job all the time, to... and they must have, they must answer calls, you know, yeah. all night. Uh-huh. So, and then you think too about how many people see phantom hitchhikers or, you know, mm-hmm. what things that are not there on the highways, yeah. people walking, things like that. Um, how many cops are called out to those scenes to nothing? Oh. You know, or they see something and then it. I want to know what the paperwork looked like. I want to know. I want to know what boxes there are that you can check that say, yeah, uh, Hitchhiker was a phantom or, you know, something. Like, right. There's got to be. Uh, uh, right. Maybe there's just a box that was like uh, out of my jurisdiction. <laughs> <laughs> That's just what they all are. UFO, out of my jurisdiction. Beyond my pay grade. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Cop, real call. I've been on patrol for several years, and I love stuff like this. I had a backup officer with me who witnessed everything. Dispatch (laughs) sent me to a call in a mountain area late one night. Dispatch said the caller reported several people holding a baby above their heads and chanting while standing on her property. Yep, I'd call the fucking police too. Right. 
The call sounded ridiculous, and I smirked as dispatch gave the details. I arrived at the proper address after driving about 20 minutes along a mountain road. There's not much else up here, and it was extremely quiet. No one walks around out here, and there aren't very many cars driving this late. I walked along a gated driveway through a light wooded area. I found the caller's house with two dim lights near the front door. The house was surrounded on three sides by heavy woods. <laughs> you and woods. I don't like it. So I've, don't be a cop. That's right. I felt a little uneasy just looking at the house. I knock on the front door of the house while standing on a large patio. I heard something move to my left, which startled me because it was close. It sounded like a person, something big. I looked to the left and used my flashlight to light up the patio. I didn't see anyone. I continued to knock. I could hear two voices inside the house. I clearly heard a male and a female. This made me feel a little better. I thought I heard someone on the patio, but it must have been someone inside. The female eventually opened the door. She was terrified, almost crying. She asked me to come inside and to close the door. She led me to the living room where I saw a very cheap security monitor, almost like a baby monitor camera set up with audio and video playing. The camera setup only provided live feed. The camera was positioned to view the front door and patio area where I was just standing. The audio was silent as I watched the monitor for a few seconds. The woman began to explain when I interrupted and asked her where the male was inside the house. I had heard his voice. She looked confused and said she was here alone. I was surprised because I know for a fact I heard a male's voice when I knocked. I asked her several times and initially thought she was lying to me. My partner checked the house and did not find anyone. The woman said she was reading while sitting on the couch when she heard something over the security camera. She looked at the display and saw two people on the patio standing at the front door. She heard knocking at the door and called the police. I looked at the monitor and although the quality and although it was low quality, I could see the patio and front door area with decent clarity. As the woman continued to explain, the audio on the monitor went from quiet to extremely loud. We all stopped talking. The caller was shaking. I looked at the monitor, but didn't see anyone. Loud audio continued to blast from the speakers. The audio sounded like wind, but it was not windy that night. I mean, I guess on top of the fact that it was on a porch, right? Right. Lo loud audio wind. Okay. I asked the woman, what is that? And she said, it's them. I looked at my partner. <laughs> nope. Mm -mm. Who was nervous? <laughs> <laughs> it's like fuck. I've seen this movie. Yeah, I'm currently nervous. So, the woman gives me her cell phone, stating she took pictures of the monitor showing the two people on her patio. I looked through several low quality pics and didn't see anything. I continue to scroll, and sure enough, I see what looks like two tall figures standing at the door. <laughs> One of the figures is holding something. The figures look strange, all dark and featureless, in contrast to the video I saw on the monitor. I was in disbelief and thought, oh my God, she's telling the truth. I continued to scroll and saw one figure holding something up over its head. Another picture showed them at, showed the item at the base of the door with both figures standing near it. I tried to reason to explain what could have caused these images, but it was pretty apparent that there had been two suspects on her patio. We check outside, walking the property to the tree line. I mentioned the movement on the patio and the male voice from inside the house. My partner asked me to stop talking about it. <laughs> we finished checking and returned to speak with a caller. She says she will be driving into town and staying at a hotel because she is too scared to stay here tonight. We walk nice. along the driveway back to our cars. My partner jumps into the patrol car and takes off. I laughed but felt really uneasy standing there in the dark. I leave shortly afterward.
And see, I'll, I can just hear the wheels turning in your head. And you're like, that's what you get for living in the woods. That's what you get for living in the woods. <laughs> Don't live in the woods. Oh, God. The woods. Yeah. Oh, man. Well, it makes you wonder. I mean, it had been so long mm-hmm. between, but because it took him like 20 minutes to get there, right? right. I guess it's a patio, not a porch. From in my mind, it was covered. But um, so like it could have been wind, but God, that would have had to have been very loud wind. Very loud wind. But well, there was the enough time the, for someone. The, to... the wind is the least weird thing. Yeah. Of yeah. that recording. Um, but who was? Yeah. Who were the people? They could have left. It could have just been people that left. But then when you what add on to that, in the middle of the woods. Yeah, and you add on to that, the male voice coming from inside the house, the movement mm-hmm. he saw. Were they still there? Were they real people? What, what, what were they holding? She thought it was a baby, but what were they holding over their head or putting on the floor? Oh, that's so creepy. I don't know. Oh, so creepy. oh my God. There's so many movies that yeah. I could make out of this. Yeah. Okay. I have two more. Oh, I love it. Okay. Not sure if you guys would want to hear an Asian story, but I thought it's worth sharing. Of fucking course, um, we want to I'm, hear an Asian story. Why wouldn't story. I want to hear an Asian like, story? What are we in this for? Not to get scared? No. Yeah, come on. Let's let's get as creepy as possible. And the way to do that is via Asia. <laughs> <laughs> they got good stories. We're next level, what man. What can I say? This was told by my dad when I was 12. Even now, when I ask him about the story, he can remember every vivid detail like it just happened last week. My dad was in the police force for 20 years, and when just a rookie, he had to conduct nighttime roadblocks meant to catch drunk drivers. They had done it many times before, and this night started routine enough for them. Wait. They had done it many times before, (laughs) and this night started routine enough for them. There it is. That makes more sense to me. That was until this Toyota Corolla drove up to them with what looked like a white blanket on its roof flapping in the wind. Hmm. They thought it was weird, but did not see anything amiss about it. One of them even joked that this guy was multitasking by drying his laundry and driving home at the same time. (laughs) The laugh stopped when the lone car came closer and all of them saw what looked like a woman in white lying lying face down on top of the car. Oh. The woman... Oh, Oh. that's a a fucked up image. Mm -hmm. Just wait. The woman seemed to slide like a slug backwards until she disappeared behind the car as it eventually came to a stop in front of them. It took a few minutes for my dad's team to recompose themselves as they stared at each other as if to say, you guys saw that, right? (laughs) 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 The most senior of them finally stepped up and shot the usual questions to the driver. There was a noticeable quiver in his voice as he made conversation, and they asked him to step out of the vehicle. My dad's team inspected the whole vehicle, including the boot, and found nothing strange in it. The driver was a good-looking staff sergeant in the Army who was heading home from a company event earlier that night and admitted to have having a few cans of beer. He said that he laid down in his bunk to sleep it off, hence why he was driving home at that time. It was 4 a.m. He passed their sobriety test, and they started to ask him if he saw anything weird during his drive. Initially, he said no, but after more questioning, he mentioned that he had to swerve to avoid what looked like a bird that was flying upside down. It was spooky, but didn't think that it was a detail worth sharing with police officers. Probably because he was like, they're definitely going to think I'm drunk if I said I saw an upside down bird fly. <laughs> I saw this upside down bird. <laughs> he had to swerve to miss it. Yeah. Yeah. The senior then told the guy to chill out at a 24-hour coffee shop before heading home. 
The locals believe that if a malevolent spirit follows you, making a pit stop confuses them so they can't set up shop in your house. After some confusion of his own, the driver finally caught on and nodded in agreement. After the guy leaves, they call into the station and cut the night short. Never knew what happened to the driver. Hope he's all right. I keep focusing on the fact that if I had seen this and the cops were asking me, what? I'd be like, it... I just don't know what kind of car it was. <laughs> like she was on top of this car. What kind of car? I don't know. I it don't was know. a car. What was it? A sedan? I don't. Was it a sedan or a truck? I don't know. It was a know. car. It was a vehicle of some sort. And That's I true. just I may not be able to tell cars apart, but I know what a person looks like and that they usually shouldn't be on top of what a car is. It's true. <laughs> <laughs> the idea, like that visual too of oh, it's creepy sliding off the back like well, a the slug. flapping like blanket or whatever that turns Thinking out to it's be a sheet, and then it's a woman. A woman, <gasps> <gasps> so creepy. Well, and there's so many, so much lore around you know women hunting men, certain men, and stuff like that. Well, and there's so much lore around haunted uh, roads. Mm-hmm. That's been, I mean, there's been haunted roads as long as there have been roads. Well, and it and too, it makes you wonder, like. I mean, was the ghost just hitching a ride? Was she after him? I mean, it seems like if she's holding on to this particular car, she's following him. Well, yeah. And the and just like, oh God, it's just on top of the car. Like what? Maybe he fell asleep in his bunker. I made you oh, yawn. I'm sorry. No, you're making me yawn. <laughs> just the idea of falling asleep in a bunker. Like maybe he fell asleep in this bunker and there was a ghost that's like hanging out going, hey, soldier. And like just kind of maybe just like the cut of his jib and wanted to. Right. Follow him home. home. Or maybe, I mean, there's no telling why it was there or how long, or how long that she had been with him. Yeah. And maybe this was the first time anyone else, someone else had seen it. But it sounds like if if the upside, if the upside down bird was somehow connected, connected or like maybe the, what she looked like to him. Right. And uh, then it was like, this one, I'm going to go with this one. It's like, this looks like a good victim. And then maybe not a lot of people on that stretch of road that time of night. So she's like, oh, cool. You. Funsies. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, it's like, then he goes to a coffee shop and she's like, well, fuck. Now he's at a coffee shop. I can't do shit. <laughs> fuck. He's at a now I can't shop. follow him. He's at a coffee <laughs> shop and I'm all confused. <laughs> it's like, God damn, Does he live at wait, the coffee shop? Stop? <laughs> then does she stay at the coffee oh, shop? Does she God. go back? I don't know. I don't I know. I just thought of a story that happened to me when I was a teenager and I'm going to have to, it's a long one, so I'll have to tell it another one. But at some point, I won't, I, remind me to tell you about it. Okay. The white truck. <gasps> Tell me about the white truck now. Michael, I, I, there's a lot. Okay, the, the short version is like uh, some friends of mine, my first friend who was able to drive among us, like he had a truck and we all loaded up into it one night to go to an away game, mm-hmm. and which is about 45 minutes, 30, mm-hmm. 45 minutes from where we lived. And it's out in the country. So on the way back, we totally fucking got lost. And we like stopped at an IHOP for like a late dinner right. and after As the game, and then we decided to head back. And we thought we were taking a shortcut, and we just or whatever. I don't know if we I, we just got fucking lost, and we yeah. wound up on some goddamn back roads that were like becoming less and less civilized looking. The more we we the deeper we went, the point was like, oh, why? Okay, it's gone from several lanes to one lane or two or two lanes, right, two lanes and now yeah. it's now it's gravel uh with uh-huh. ditches on either side and we were we were looking for we were basically this is way once before, you hit gravel you turn around yeah well we were, <laughs> and we did but uh we just were trying to find and we 
we were so lost. Our only option this is like long before GPS or cell phones right. was to just kind of head in the direction of the light pollution that seemed to suggest a city. So we're like, well, clearly if we go that direction, that'll take us back to where the highway is. Cause that looks like, I mean, there's something there's out light. there. And so we're kind of going that way. But the only way through to that area was like a, an area of, of deep ass woods and which we didn't know. And we're like, okay. And a fucking truck out of nowhere uh, just kind of starts following us. Like there was no one else on this road for like a while. We didn't yeah. run into anyone else. And by now it's probably like 11 at night, midnight or whatever. It's probably maybe even later than that. And um, so here we are, a bunch of fucking 16 year old kids. We want to get home because it's pretty much past curfew right. <laughs> at that point. But we're like, ah! and so we're freaking out that these headlights are behind us. Cause like, where did that fucking come from? Okay. That's mm-hmm. weird. And they, they gained on us real fucking quick. Yeah. And we, we sped up because we were like, Okay, this is uh, this is freaking us out. We're lost, so we weren't going slow anyway. Yeah. And this this fucking car gang, uh, ganged on us. It turned out to be a white truck, and um, it just kind of it was behind us, and it it wasn't doing anything aggressive necessarily. It was just really close to us, mm-hmm. and it wouldn't pass. Like we try at some point, we we asked our friend who was driving, like just pull over and let them pass, and it, it just it it wouldn't pass. It would stay yeah. it would stay on us. He didn't stop when he pulled over. He just it kind of pulled over down. the shoulder, yeah, and uh, and it it would just it would stay. It would just kind of. Uh, back off a little bit drift Ah! back and then we'd get back and it would get on our tail again so we're like okay someone's fucking with us and it finally became something of a chase where at the last minute i'm really i'm i'm telling like the shortest version of the story i know the last minute we decided uh, or rather the driver decided to just make a fucking turn like almost a fucking truck flipping turn down this road that just came up on us and he did and um the truck fucking disappeared. <gasps> like in, in there was, we had to, no, excuse me. That's the detail. So we had to turn because there was a dead end coming in front of us. And we're like, oh. Oh, okay, we've got to turn. But he, we didn't know it because there was no fucking signs. Right. And there was just this big fucking, you know, this, uh, this uh, post. End of road. End yeah. of road post, uh, like a, with a little uh, yellow and black slashes across it or whatever that's called. And it's like, fuck, fuck, fuck. And so we just it's a like. caution. This is the end of the road. Pretty sign. much. And the only option was like this driveway and uh, that looked like it went onto someone else's property and it kind of dipped down almost mm-hmm. like a, you know, like not uh, uh, um, not a ditch, but it was definitely like a little a thing that went over a ravine. And so we just kind of, he, he I mean, we thought we were going to fucking die. And he's, he rounds the, or he, he makes this turn and like has to slam on the brakes and does this kind of Tokyo drift kind of thing yeah. on this gravel road, this drive. And uh, instantly the truck was no longer behind us. And they had been on our ass and there was no way we should, we were not, we did not turn. Like he slammed on the brakes as he was turning. Right. So Mm -hmm. he basically just stopped in this drive right off the road and the truck was fucking gone. And and there was nowhere for them to have gone on ahead uh, because they're, you know, like a less than a, you know, block up the road. It looked like there was this, there was the fucking giant barricade. So we're like, um, what the fuck just happened? Uh, so we, Got that we turned around and we got the fuck out of there as quickly as we could and we wound up finding our way back uh, to the main wow. highway. But I mean, that was really that oh was God. fucking That's, freaky. That car is a bitch in white. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So oh I kind of have I do recognize white trucks. Yeah, well, that's good. That's <laughs> good. That. I bet you do. Yeah, yeah. Wow. Sorry, that just made me think of that. I was like, oh my god, I hadn't thought that of that in so years. Creepy. My first away game I went to. I was Sixteen years old. In a phantom car. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It makes you wonder too. What's the point of it? Was it trying to get you guys to run through the? the and of course, sign? and there's always, and there's always, a, there's maybe a side of the story I don't know is that that truck, like, 
like the Batmobile, like it had a, maybe that, that barricade was really a secret passageway. Right. It just <laughs> and, went and into the remote control for it. And they were like, yeah, and they just like to fuck with people. That'd be really funny. But uh, yeah, no, no idea what happened. Wow. But there were three of us in that car, that, in that truck that night. And we all saw that. And we're like, we all, we were free. Like, where the fuck did it go? And like, we wanted to get, <laughs> Jason, the, the driver wanted to get out and like, look. And I was like, no, no, I don't want to look. Just <laughs> no. Drive up and see if there's maybe another road they turned down uh, right before the barricade. Nothing, nothing. Trees and ditch on either side. Uh, don't the get only, out. The only place to turn before the before the dead end was where we turned, and oh it, my gosh. it, yeah. <sighs> so oh. creepy. Oh. Okay. Anyway, sorry. All right, sorry. that's right. That's right. Last one. Okay. Years ago, my uncle told us about a woman who would call the police station just about every night, claiming that fairies or elves were breaking into her house and stealing her food. Emma, as is custom, every time she calls, they sent a unit to check on her. My uncle gets about. Uh, gets it about two to three times per week. Every night, they stop by her house and reassure her that no one has broken in and calm her down. One night, when he gets to the house, she has poured powdered sugar all over the floor to record their tracks. And my uncle says he literally has to do a double double take. All over the floor of her kitchen are these little tracks, tiny like nothing he's ever seen before. His partner starts taking photos and trying to figure it out. A few other officers come in, as most of them have gotten the call to her house, too, and want to see it. Ten police officers all completely baffled as to what these weird little prints are. Turns out, a possum had babies, and they were sneaking into her kitchen for warmth or food. The prints look so foreign because most of the time baby possums are carried by their mother, not running around. Seven are rounded up and released in a less residential area. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's not how I wanted that story to end. I know. I wanted that story to end with this woman like making little shoes, and she's oh. like, do, 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 like, look at the trap. Like, I she may have. You never know. <laughs> if she's calling every night, she may have. There's just she had she had the hots for one of the officers, and she that's was like, weird. "Could you send Officer Dan?" Yes. Tell tell that nice boy officer Dan (laughs) that the fairies are back. Yeah. Oh, the fairies. Oh, the brownies are here. Oh, the brownies. Oh, the brownies. The clearies. The clearies, yeah. Oh, my gosh. So so great. Yes, so so those are just, you know. A Just bunch a of smattering. I mean, we could revisit this theme later on and I do know. yet still more. I know, know, I know. Law know. enforcement tales, part two. Part two, or firefighter oh, yeah. tales, or nurse oh, tales. Yeah. Or, yeah. yeah. Well, we did ask for the more nurse tales, tales. and, and uh, people have been sending those into That's the ghosticles, true. which has been pretty fucking awesome. I know. They're so mm, good. They're mm, so mm. good. So that is mine. For this week. That is amazing. I dove in and just copied and pasted everything. I'm going to go dive into the bathroom. All right. That and sounds then, gross. Uh, <laughs> and then uh, I'm going to hit you with my weirdest fuck story when I'm we come back. I'm super excited. I can't okay. wait. Okay. We're back. Yay. All right. All right. Tell me what is your story? Well, it's um, it's a complicated and very weird story. And oh. there's going to be a lot of what? And a lot of what? And a lot of what? I'm excited. <laughs> uh, shout out to to the YouTuber Bob Gimlin. I have uh, been following him for a little while now, and I love his stuff. He he focuses mo- mostly on Bigfoot type things, and right. and from a very scientific, very. Um, I just he's a really good presenter. Again, he's very natural. He's just kind of like this is my findings, my you know here's my opinion, and it's a learned opinion. So I, I'm very uh, impressed with his work. Uh, I myself am on the fence. About, yeah, I was like learned about Bigfoot. Well, well, not just about Bigfoot, but about like you know uh, uh, primatology and and uh, just all the disciplines that would. Uh, he seems to know a lot about 
all the various disciplines that would have to come into play to convince <laughs> okay. uh, people that that there's such a thing as a, as an undiscovered North American primate. And so it's not just like, I think this big, but it's, you know, it's not some <laughs> The squat! Yeah, it's not, it's not that. Okay. Uh, it's, it's very intelligent. And so I myself am on the fence about the existence of things like that. But I do find them good stories. And I'm maybe a little more sympathetic to the view that they may exist because of Bob Gimlin. So um, check him out if you haven't already. The, the, the YouTube channel is really cool. There's a lot of cool original artwork. Okay. Uh, that he uses when telling his stories. So I love it. Um, and this is how I learned about it. So I did mention that I might tell the story when we were doing the uh, the Dennis Nilsson, uh, not Dennis Dilton Nilsson, excuse me, the, the Dennis Martin disappearance story. That was a little boy mm, that disappeared right. in the Rockies. Yes. And with all sorts of weird things going on mm -hmm. at the same, like a lot of lot of weird, uh, uncanny things about that disappearance. Well, and I'd alluded to like a weird string of incidences that happened in Westmoreland, uh, Westmoreland, Pennsylvania in the 70s. And so I decided it was time to tell that story. Mm -hmm. um, I'm calling this story, wait, we're what now? <laughs> <laughs> so to begin. Yes. Now the Amazon algorithm may lump confidently all paranormal phenomenon into one like targeted reading list for your recommendation and which drives me fucking crazy yeah. but, but back in the day people who studied things outside the norm paradoxically tended to stay in their lane uh for good reason these were fledgling disciplines struggling for respectability alongside titans like astrophysics and, and neurochemistry in fact from a pr standpoint it often behooved people involved in these fields to dismiss each other as quacks right uh, just to be like no we're not it's like college affiliated parapsychologists tended to roll their eyes at storefront psychics um mm -hmm. ghost hunters bemoan the onslaught of self-possessed demonologists that's uh, all because they just wanted the most donations well <laughs> <laughs> Alternative archaeologists face-palmed when someone brought up Atlantis. Cryptozoologists steered clear of ufologists. Uh, ufologists, people that study UFOs. It sounds funny, um, but it's, it's pronounced ufology. It makes me think of Ufala, which is a city in, in Oklahoma. <laughs> and ufologists, prone to vicious infighting and long thought the wackiest of the lot, seldom concerned themselves with Bigfoot lore. There were naturally researchers who poked their heads into neighboring fields every now and again, but these were more the, the exception than the rule. Stan Gordon never intended to be one of these exceptions. He'd assembled the Westmoreland County UFO Study Group in 1969 with the express purpose of investigating a then four-year-old UFO crash. He and his team wanted answers about the bright burning object seen crash landing in the forests of Westmoreland County, Pennsylvania, the night of December 9th, 1965. The incident, referred to in, in such circles as Pennsylvania's Roswell, started with a craft witnessed in flight by people as far north as Ontario. Canada. Grass fires sparked by burning debris were reported all over rural Michigan. Sonic booms rattled uh, the residents of Pittsburgh just 30 miles south, uh, southeast of Kecksburg. Where the Let me guess. It was a weather balloon? <laughs> where the crack was said to have finally tumbled to earth. An enormous thump Odd vibrations and wisps of blue smoke rising from the trees startled the town folk of Kecksburg, who came out in force to see what the fuss was about and, to, and found the area sealed off by state police. Mm. Now, Air Force officials swooped down and conducted a thorough search of the area, but claimed to come up short, ultimately attributing the phenomenon to a meteor. 
Mm, meteor. That's, yeah, yeah, yeah. okay. All Civilian right. witnesses, though, told a very different story. They'd seen authorities hauling a large, acorn-shaped craft from the scene, along with a slew of covered objects in unmarked flatbed trucks. Along the it was the meteor. <laughs> well, <laughs> along the craft's rim were what were uh, appeared to be etchings like hieroglyphs that supposedly glowed white. So these weren't meteors. I mean, these were like somebody saw them haul this fucking thing onto the back of a black back uh, flatbed truck and cover it. Yeah. And uh, and a lot of people did, not just one or two. Um, officials from the Air Force, the U.S. Army, and other unknown organizations could be seen wandering through the woods for weeks afterwards. In fact, they lingered in and around the supposed crash site for years. What? Which is all to say Stan Gordon and his team had enough on their minds without bringing Sasquatch into the mix. He and the Westmoreland UFO study group were more concerned with reports of men in civilian clothing paying teenagers to mislead would-be gawkers away from the site. They were concerned about so many Kecksburg residents insisting nothing noteworthy had happened, though they acknowledged the presence of the military. They were concerned about witnesses getting harassed by the sinister men in black. Mm. They had no clue this would lead them into cryptid territory. In hindsight, it should have come as no surprise when, in the early 70s, their hotline was flooded with calls from local law enforcement. All manner of Fortean things were plaguing the good people of Kecksburg. Complaints of a loud thumping noise emanating from the ground left police scratching their heads. Stan and his team looked into it and concluded seismic activity couldn't be ruled out, but they didn't really have an answer for what the hell was causing this thing. But it happened enough that people were right. calling, going, what the fuck is coming from underneath you know, our house yeah. or underneath this patch of ground or whatever? It was driving them fucking crazy. Um, before long, though, things got more intense and a hell of a lot weirder. The Superior Mobile Home Court became something of a hotspot for Bigfoot in the wake of the UFO crash, so much so that the Westmoreland group felt compelled to look into it, even though this was, strictly speaking, outside their expertise. Normally, they were there. Well, they were there. No one else was going to look into it. Right. Normally, they'd have left this to the cryptozoologist, but a woman who claimed to have seen a hairy two-legged behemoth staring at her through the bedroom window phoned Gordon a few days after the incident to say an odd-looking fellow in a dark business suit was now puttering around the outside of her trailer in broad daylight. His Camaro had Ohio plates. He'd flashed an ID card that read simply Ohio Research Center or something generic to that effect. No name. Yeah. Uh, the stranger wandered the court for hours, snapping Polaroids at the ground, often focusing on random patches of grass where no tracks were visible. Uh, the woman noticed he seemed befuddled by his own camera, like he barely knew how to use it. Another disturbing detail, he spoke and moved like a child, unsure mm. on his feet and answering in broken sentences when approached. Some neighborhood boys sidled up and asked to see the Polaroids he'd taken of the Bigfoot tracks. He obliged them, but when they commented on how one in particular had come out very clear, the man snatched it from their hands, crumpled it up like a candy bar wrapper, shoved it in his pocket, and cackled at them. Just fucking weird. weird. Uh, an adult nearby was mowing his yard and had been keeping an eye on this guy for a while. He didn't like the cut of his jib, saw his interaction with the boys, and angrily shouted at him that he was going to call the fucking police. At which point, the mystery man dove into his Camaro like a crazy person and sped away so fast bystanders would later tell police they feared the car would roll. Wow. In Gordon, my movie, uh huh, he's I cast him as Crispin Glover. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> or Peter Stormare. Um, 
Now, Stan Gordon passed the Ohio-plated Camaro en route to the scene. The odd man and his antics were well known by the Westmoreland UFO study group by then. He and others like him had been hanging around for the better part of a decade, ever since the UFO crash. Mm. One such individual contacted Gordon in 1975, claiming to be with something called the, quote, Bureau of Sport Fisheries Bird and Mammals Lab, end quote. Now, naive about the MIB and uh, at the time, and happy that the Westmoreland Group's efforts were generating buzz with someone in a position of authority, Gordon was happy uh, to send reams of relevant files, photos, samples, etc. to a DC address the man had provided him over the phone. He never heard back. Yeah. Come to find out, no such organization existed. Where he had sent this stuff and what became of it, he never found oh, out. Wow. The trailer park incident, though, was the first time, to Gordon's knowledge, one of these spurious MIB-looking fellows seemed interested in a Bigfoot sighting, and the area was no stranger to such things. A few years earlier, in 1972, an elderly woman living alone in Superior Mobile Home Court awoke to the sound of her small dog pitching a fit. Someone or something was prowling around outside. She peered through the bedroom window to see a large bipedal creature attempting to hoist the home from its moorings. The beast succeeded in hefting the double wide about a foot off center uh, of its center blocks before it gave up and stalked off into the woods. Upon investigating, it was found the mobile home had indeed been moved, yet the combined strength of two men could not replicate the stunt. Wow. That same year... And that's a double wide. It's a double wide. That's it. <laughs> that same year, two women out driving at the edge of a forest preserve in Derry, which is a few miles uh, near this, it's part of the Westmoreland uh, uh, County. Okay. Uh, they reported seeing a massive hairy creature walking on two legs along the side of the road. It's a typical Bigfoot sighting for the most part, with one key difference: the creature. They said, and this was weird, and they hadn't, and they felt crazy saying it, was holding a glowing white orb in its hand. Oh. <laughs> it ducked into the woods after it realized. It seemed to duck into the woods after it realized it it saw them, uh, or they saw him. And, if, and uh, moments later, the women saw a thin beam of light shoot up from the trees toward a small red dot in the sky. Neither of them had noticed before. And then it mm. vanished. Uh, at Derry Township is about 10 miles from the alleged UFO crash site that happened years earlier. In October mm. of 1973, four separate groups, totaling about 15 people in all, reported independently reported a bright red sphere about the size of a barn suspended roughly 100 feet off the ground. Uh, George Kowalczyk was among them, but his story played out differently than the others. In an interview with investigator Dr. Paul Johnson with the Westmoreland Study Group, Kowalczyk told a bizarre and hair-raising tale. He'd been driving his identical twin nephews home from a football game when all three witnessed the giant red sphere float down out of the sky. George gunned it to his parents' house nearby, where he intended to drop the twins off so he could go back for a better look. The 10-year-olds begged him to let them tag along. Despite their grandmother's misgivings, George relented. The trio piled back into his pickup truck and followed a dirt road on his dad's property toward the sphere, which by now had settled over the woods adjacent to an empty field. Woods! Um, <laughs> obscured by a thin row of trees, only the object's rusty orange glow was visible as George and the twins got out and walked up to a barbed wire fence uh, bordering the property. One of the boys was thrilled at the prospect of meeting an E.T., uh, the other wanted to fucking go. Yeah. <laughs> As they trudged to higher ground, hoping to get a better view, one of the boys told George they could see something lumbering down the fence line toward them. Uh, the yeah. fence line toward them through the field. 
Moving slowly in long, no. deliberate strides, no. the hunchback creature was twice the height of the railroad ties that served as fence posts. To make matters more bizarre, it was accompanied by what George described as a baby-like cry. Soon enough, they could see not one creature, but two. A much smaller figure of similar build was trailing behind its hulking companion. The pair followed an odd pattern. The larger figure would walk up to a fence post, let out a soft cry, then wait for the smaller one to reach the fence post behind it. The smaller creature would reply with what Kowalczyk described as a kind of muted gurgle. Hmm. George got his rifle and a handful of tracer rounds from the truck. He's teaching them how to cry are... properly. <laughs> it's fucking weird, right? It's not how you do it. It's... Ah. Mm -hmm. No. Ah. Close, so close. Mm -hmm. oh. <laughs> 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 you know, it's so cute to think of that. Um... <laughs> Now, George got his rifle and a handful of tracer rounds out of the truck. Tracer rounds are not, uh, they're not ballistic rounds. They're uh, like flares. Right. Gotcha. And uh, he fired a tracer over the creature's heads to illuminate them. They stopped and for the first time appeared to acknowledge that they were being watched. As the red projectile, that is the tracer, soared above them, their eyes, he said, shone green like a cat's. This was mm. enough to send one of the twins sprinting back down the dirt road to Grandma's house. Over a mile away, the other boy screamed for George to shoot the creatures. George fired another tracer over their heads. The larger one calmly placed a hand on the smaller one's shoulder. The smaller then turned and made a beeline for the trees toward the giant red sphere, while the larger stayed put. Finding himself stared down by this menacing figure, George loaded three normal rounds and fired off three shots in rapid succession. All apparently hit their mark, though the sound resembled what George would later compare to, quote, shooting a lake. Huh. The creature flinched, but stood its ground. At a loss, and no doubt frightened out of his goddamn mind, George grabbed his remaining nephew, dove into the truck, and got the hell out of Dodge. He immediately called the police, but by the time authorities arrived on scene, neither the creatures nor the red sphere could be found, though the, the cops did note a dull orange glow, quote, hanging in the air. Ooh. Uh, the twin, who ran home, you'll be glad to know, made it there safely, Good but suffered something of a nervous breakdown shortly after. The oh. poor boy was plagued for months by visions of catastrophes. He dreamt about explosions. He dreamt about buildings toppling, cities on fire, etc. The incident had clearly taken some kind of a profound psychological toll on him. And it's not uncommon for certain people who see UFOs or weird shit to have this. And it's not the last we'll hear of someone that has a similar experience. Okay. Having interviewed no less than a dozen witnesses who'd seen the Red Sphere that night, Dr. Johnson with the Westmoreland Group found George, George Kowalczyk's story credible. The man he insisted wasn't making this up, amazing as it seemed. He and his nephews had been the only ones to see any creatures associated with the object, but their claim checked out. They would have been the only witnesses in a position to have done so, it seems. Bear in mind, Johnson was a seasoned investigator who dealt with more than a share of crackpots in his line of work. That George struck him as a reliable witness, despite the story being so bizarre, should carry some weight, I think. Yeah. Dr. Johnson, Stan Gordon, and the other members of the Westmoreland group began, albeit reluctantly, to accept the likelihood of there being some connection between the UFO phenomenon and the deluge of Bigfoot sightings in the area. As I've said, cryptozoologists and ufologists make for strange bedfellows, certainly back then. Most researchers dedicated to proving the existence of an undiscovered primate in the forests of North America would bristle at the notion of anyone coming in and suggesting Bigfoot was from another world. But reports like the ones coming out of Westmoreland defied easy categorization. Someone had to look into them. 
A motorist, so weird. for example, claimed to have hit a Sasquatch with his car head on. His sedan sustained quite a bit of damage, but the creature, he said, blinked out of existence upon impact. What? And even if it hadn't done that, this wouldn't explain the claw marks that emerged on his trunk afterwards. Because no. the trunk had, had played no part in the in the uh, accident. He'd hit it with his hood or with the front. Right. Not far from Derry, a fly fisherman in, yes, Sleepy Hollow, <laughs> claimed to have heard a shrill cry upstream while he was angling for bass after dark one night. He turned to see a large figure thrashing through the water toward him, uh, silhouetted against the night sky, swinging its long arms overhead. Uh, wanting no part of this, the man got into his car. As he pulled away, the creature somehow closed the significant gap between them in a matter of seconds and stuck its head through the open <gasps> driver's side window. <gasps> In one of the most unique descriptions of a Bigfoot on record, the man claims the creature was covered in mange with only patches of fur here and there. Protruding gums imply that it had once had teeth, but these were gone. The hair on the top of its head was long and kind of uh, stuck to its head, like matted. Uh. And strangest of all, given the circumstances, the beast gave off no discernible scent. Oh, that is weird. The man slammed down the horn. The creature recoiled, but remained visible in the rearview mirror as the man drove away. One final detail, if all this weren't fucking weird enough, the goddamn thing waved at him as he was leaving. <laughs> it's like, hey, bye. I like to think that it's just <laughs> these really confused aliens that are like, oh, this is a big furry creature. They'll love that. <laughs> and one of Let's them just, just couldn't quite get the disguise right. Right. Um, <laughs> so reluctant as they might have been initially about getting involved with this kind of high strangeness, Dan Gordon and the Westmoreland group couldn't ignore the probable connection. The deeper they went, however, the more their efforts were thwarted. Enter the suit-wearing stranger lurking around uh, Superior Mobile Home Court with his Polaroid camera. Enter the phone call from the Airsats Bureau of Sports, Fisheries, Birds, and Mammal Lab. Enter, too, a researcher named Barry Clark, who joined the Westmoreland UFO Study Group, blissfully unaware this kind of research would run him afoul of things beyond his understanding. Clark hailed from Derry, where the Bigfoot sightings had grown so prevalent that just about everyone in town was either related to or knew someone who had had a credible encounter. There was something going on, and Barry Clark intended to get to the bottom of it. A particular interest for him was a report from the Bell family farm. Um, not to be confused with the Bells of Tennessee. Right. Uh, for three consecutive nights, the Bells had seen what they referred to as a, quote, big star appear on the horizon around 10 at night. It changed colors from red to silver and back again, flickering at different frequencies for several minutes before vanishing. So regular had the phenomenon become that Clark himself had the pleasure of seeing this when he came to investigate. It appeared at 10 on the dot. Clark describes the light as flashing five times like the arc from a welder over the course of about 10 minutes. So far, this was fairly standard behavior. As the bells watched alongside Clark from the safety of their front porch, however, they noticed the pulsing red-silver object drawing smaller white points of light into itself, hmm. each one of which would take on the color of the larger, uh, the closer they got. This was new. Suddenly the object's glow intensified. Much to the shock and terror of everyone watching this, it started to come in for a landing. Oh no. The bells fled in terror, Barry not far behind them. Shaken, Barry Clark resigned from the Westmoreland UFO study group the next day. Wow. He basically said like, I'm of the opinion now that there's just some shit we shouldn't know. Yeah. I don't want to know what that is. Alas, however, this wasn't the end of it for him. 
Several days later, Barry was, uh, drove a short distance along familiar roads to a friend's house. Upon arriving, he realized quite a bit more time had passed than would have been necessary to get there. Several hours, in fact. Yeah. He'd set out in broad daylight and arrived after dark. Whereas the drive should have only been a matter of minutes. And search his memory, though he might, he could recall absolutely nothing unusual about the drive itself. Prior to his, to his encounter at Bell Farm, it should be noted, he never experienced anything out of the ordinary in his life. But these episodes of missing time persisted for the rest of his life. Wow. When his grandson, who was born in the 80s, turned 10, the boy insisted that shadow people would come down through a hole in the ceiling above his bed every night and try to talk to him. <laughs> so vivid were these quote-unquote nightmares, the poor boy went without sleep for days on end. Stan Gordon has since authored a number of books about his investigations into UFOs, but before we dismiss the high strangeness of early 70s Westmoreland, Pennsylvania as pure invention, it's worth bearing in mind that nothing else in Gordon's work comes close to what his group documented in their, in their founding years. The phenomenon was anomalous in every sense of the word, and Gordon, though he has investigated UFOs and sometimes Bigfoot ever since, has never encountered a a case quite like the Westmoreland decade yeah, uh, ever again. Huh. Fucking weird. It is weird. Yeah. All the shit. Like, it's just the the boys having the nightmares, the young kids when they turn 10, like the 10-year-old twins and one of them having those really yeah. nightmares of, like, world-end type shit. Yeah. And the 10-year-old grandson of the guy who experienced missing time after seeing a UFO mm -hmm. um, in Derry. Like... And it's called Derry, for God's sake. It's the That's same. It's the name of the town from it. That's true. Yeah. But yeah, that's bizarre. And and you know, and Bob Giblin, uh, the 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 YouTuber that uh, I got the story from, uh, says himself like it's he's like I I do not buy the UFO Bigfoot connection, but I also don't buy that all this shit's just made up. There is right. some some connection here that we just can't understand. He's like, I don't think Bigfoot are alien. <laughs> right. But what the fuck are they then? Or what's going on? You know, yeah. and it all goes back to if we talk about things like Mothman and and uh, what uh, you know, John John Keel and these others believe is that like UFOs aren't necessarily from another world. That there's something else going on altogether. Like it's yeah. it's some kind of earthly phenomenon that's disguising itself in some kind of way right and that or maybe it's just the only way our mind can apprehend it is to give it some bizarre shape that resembles some archetypal feature in our own minds that we've forgotten and who knows but it's, it's bizarre shit like that just fascinates obviously me. the aliens took bigfoot <laughs> and are just putting them back periodically <laughs> maybe and that's what's happening maybe i don't know but I do like, I really like the idea, though, that they're like, we'll find something that, that you know, they'll like. And they happened to, upon, they happened upon a Bigfoot, right? <laughs> this is my movie. And um, they're like, this thing is huge, but furry. It's intimidating, but people are always obsessed about it. If we if we go down and we dress like this, we present ourselves like this, everybody's gonna love us. In my movie, and my movie, <laughs> and my movie's a comedy. Yeah, um, mine is obviously. As yeah, well. in in my movie, the aliens come down and they make first contact with a Bigfoot, and they just and the Bigfoot just decides to like they they've been mistaken for like the dominant species, right. and they just play along. Oh, I like that too. <laughs> yeah, that's so good. like for for like decades, maybe even centuries now. 
Sasquatch have been like having to keep up the charade that they're kind of the ones in charge. So anytime the aliens come down, they talk to them and we're over here going, what the fuck is that? And meantime, they're, you know, they're having meetings. Right. Brunching with the aliens. With the aliens. Going, yeah, yeah, no, we're, yeah, we've, we've taken all those things under advisement. You know, the aliens, mm-hmm. well, why haven't you done anything about like nuclear uh, weapons? We're working on it. We're working on it. We're working on it. What are nuclear weapons? <laughs> they don't have those in the forest. I don't know. It's, I think it's in my mind, um, not my movie, but in my opinion, I think the connection <laughs> has something to do with anomalous phenomenon. All That's hard to say. Anomalous. It's fun to say. It's a anomalous good phenomenon. Anomalous phenomenon. Anomalous phenomenon. Hmm. Anomalous right. phenomenon. Well, okay. It's not that easy, but, uh, but it's all, they all seem to be related. Like Keel was of the opinion that um, his famous thing was belief is the enemy. So it's like, I don't believe anything, but I do think that maybe it's worth considering that all this phenomenon is smokescreen, that there is some, this some older intelligence that's indigenous, that's, that just puts out like, ah, give them Bigfoot, you know, yeah. ah, give them UFOs. Oh, I know. It's like, they're, it's like they're this, whatever this is, whatever entity or entities are like, whatever, prime intelligence or supernatural intelligence is responsible is like sitting in a writer's room going, I know, let's do Bigfoot and, and aliens. <laughs> They'll never know what to do. Yeah. It'll, it's, it'll be hilarious. Yeah. Like, who knows? And they think it's, I can't wait till they hear our podcast. And <laughs> they'll hilarious. be like, oh, this, yeah. maybe that's why they do it. It's probably why our podcast is a justification for everything they've done because one day they wanted to hear two voice actors in Texas known for doing video games and anime tell their story. That's right. And we we did. And we did. We're so going to get visited by Men in Black. You can now tell us what actually happened. Yeah. Just, you know, send it in an email. It'll be fine. We take all kinds of emails, whether it's how the aliens and, and Bigfoot are related isn't it weird though that the phenomenon when it happens and this this goes for ghostly phenomenon too it tends to follow the pattern of a dream and Mm. there is there's a a school of thought oh i hadn't said that no you haven't uh now that's what you say when you say it oh i haven't said that in a while uh, yeah (laughs) we have another t-shirt idea um But there's a school of thought in in among psychologists, psychiatry that says like in in for as far as dream interpretation goes, is that you know every if you have a, a dream, the the key to interpreting it is to put yourself in the shoes of every element of that dream and ask what your purpose is. Right. So like you know if a man is dreaming, uh, I think an example that was given was there was a guy like and he kept dreaming that he was just stuck in an elevator with this this uh, this goldfish in a bag. And he just kind of like, okay. And so the psychology, it was a disturbing dream, but he couldn't quite pinpoint why, but he kept having it. And so the psychologist was like, well, we, or the analyst was like, well, we should definitely look at that. It's there for a reason. And so the psychologist said, well, like, okay, we'll put yourself, you know, what do you feel as you in that dream? Well, I feel this. Okay. Well, what do you feel as the fish? What do you feel as the bag? What do you feel as the water? Mm-hmm. And then slowly, but surely this kind of narrative emerged that, that led to a trauma that he was avoiding. And mm-hmm. so all of which is to say that, sometimes these phenomenon take on the kind of just have the denouement of a dream. And maybe the, the key to, if it is, as I've suggested in the past, equal parts, something out here and something in us that's kind of projecting onto it. That's just to give us something to kind of grab onto so that we can comprehend what we're seeing. Um, maybe the key is to kind of put yourself in those shoes and be like, okay, what is, 
what am I seeing? Like, what is, what is, what are all the, what's the story? Like, I am being told a story right now. What is it? Well, and it's usually, for most dreams, it's about yourself, right? So you Mm -hmm. are represented by everything in the dream, right? So like the poor kid who had all the nightmares, I don't necessarily think that that was anything supernatural. I think it was his reaction to what was a very traumatic event for him, Mm -hmm. seeing that, experiencing Mm -hmm. that, Mm -hmm. scared the shit out of him. So much so that he left relative safety with his relatives. That wasn't a pun on purpose. Um, (laughs) Doesn't sound like his relative was very safe to be around. Right. But he left them and ran through the woods to go home. Down that long dirt road. A mile. Yeah. Yeah. Mile. You know, and not knowing if there was anything else like that in there. Just ran, right? Panic, Mm -hmm. full on panic, ran. Who Mm -hmm. knows what happened on this way home? Who knows what, you know, his, his brain told him was happening. And then he gets home and now he has these nightmares. Well, it's all about um, natural disasters, right? But mm-hmm. that is his world. A natural disaster has occurred in his world. And yeah. that's, what, that's what I think those dreams represent. They represent his world being destroyed because mm-hmm. what he thought yeah. was there is no longer yeah. there. So, like, I remember, you know, um, I had a dream once that um, I think my brother had died. Mm. And it was devastating. It was a horrible, horrible nightmare. And um, I was trying to figure out what, 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 like, what could be about, what could be about. And it turns out that it's usually when a relationship is changing. And I think he was moving out or going, moving out of state or something. I can't remember what it was, but that relationship is changing. And Mm. so Mm -hmm. you're killing not that person, but that relationship. So it's fundamental part of who you are. That relationship is changing. And so you're, the way that your brain deals with this is it kills it, right? It's not him. It's (laughs) It's it's almost like the brain's way of saying, ah, see, it's not so bad. You thought he was dead and he's actually just moving. He's just moving. You're fine. (laughs) It's just a small change. But it is interesting to, I mean, of course, that's provided that your dreams are not, you know, foretelling or any kind of visitation. But I think they can be both. I think they can be, you know, psychic or foretelling but also mm-hmm. i mean i think because whatever these whatever these phenomena are they have to speak to us through whatever raw material in our brain is already there. right that's true. i think that's what happens you talk about the dream interpretation like this boy and that's a great way to look at it this boy had this traumatic experience and so these dreams were kind of a representation of the fact that his world had come tumbling down around him because yeah. he had you know he had grown up rather quickly that night yeah um but if you know, if you take that same kind of logic and apply it to the supposedly real situation that George, his his uncle and Kowalczyk mm-hmm. was looking at, like, isn't that interesting? Isn't that it's a weird parallel that this this being, these two beings, and the younger one, presumably the kid, goes l- runs back mm-hmm. toward the red the the spaceship or the mothership, whatever the fuck it was, in the same in very much the same yes, way parallel as ways. as the 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 boy ran. Yeah. And and so like what is that? It's just it's fascinating to me. What's that, the like, little creature dream about? <laughs> the little the little God only knows what the catastrophe <laughs> looks like to them. I know. Uh probably yeah. a bright light flashing over their heads. Yeah. Out of nowhere. And of course, the implication with the other guy, the the uh, the Barry Clark guy and his grandson, you know, yeah. maybe something about his experience. You know, the he never thought that he'd been abducted. Like he never, well, he didn't say he hadn't been, but he never ever uh, openly or publicly ascribed to the belief that he'd been an abductee. He had no memories of, of right. having been abducted, but there were episodes of lost time. And but but an interpretation, if we take everything at face value, is that you know his grandson was somehow, you know, these beings that had taken. Barry 
And mm -hmm. maybe Barry was just mature enough at the time to have developed coping as subconscious coping mechanisms that allowed him to forget what had happened to him. Right. Uh, whereas the boy being 10, maybe not so much. And so he was remembering these things coming for him. And so maybe there was something about that family line or what, I mean, right. it's, 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 Who knows? it is, it's really bizarre. And what's so challenging and at the same time, so fascinating about this stuff is like how much of it is unconsciously projected onto something that's real. So that mm -hmm. now we, we're not really seeing the true character of whatever is happening because it's kind of skewed by whatever blinders we bring to it. That's not to say that nothing is happening, but that right. we're kind of, we're, we tend to, as human beings to kind of make our own story out of what we're seeing just because it's the only way our brain knows how to make sense of it. Mm -hmm. um, and it just adds a lot of detail or maybe subtracts detail in a way that makes it impossible to get at what actually was the thing right. that happened. Right. So how do you even begin to unravel it? I the reason I'm so attracted to this kind of phenomenon because it speaks a lot to how we as human beings how little we know about mm -hmm. how we create our own reality. Oh yeah, for sure. You yeah, know? what what we're yeah what we're seeing, what we're telling mm -hmm. ourselves, all of mm -hmm. that kind of stuff. But yeah, yeah, it's so, a good story. It's a good story. Thank you, Michael. Thank you. Well, thank you for your your whole slew of stories. It was great. It was a lot of fun your, to do. Your dispatch board of stories. Thank you. Thank you. And thank you, everybody, for listening. Yes. Uh, check out the website, coolintentions.com, where we have shirts and we have other shit that you might want. <laughs> I don't know. Links to our web, to our um, Instagram and Twitters. Mm -hmm. is, is, Twitters is, 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 um, is where you can go to submit your own story. Yes. Ready for Thursdays. So come our, our Ghosticles episodes. Uh -huh. If you're not checking those out, those are a lot of fun. Um, and is there anything else? I can't think of anything I think else. That's, I think that's everything. Have they, you they seen anything, be. any good movies recently? Any good recommendations mm, for entertainment? No. Fucking good omens. We finished it finally. It's oh, so damn, good. I need oh, it. it's okay. so good. I want to watch it. So, oh my God. It's it. so good. I know I'm I know I'm going to love it, though. I still have to finish American Gods. So good. And I have to say, so reading the book, I mean, I loved the book, but Aziraphale was not my favorite character. Mm. And Michael Sheen is so good. He's, yeah. he's my favorite character in the show. Oh, that's fucking he's great. so good. I mean, everybody's amazing. Every, I mean, it's such a strong cast, in it, but oh. he in particular just steals my little heart. I oh, love that's him. Amazing. I adore him. Yeah, yeah. I am I am eager. I haven't seen it yet, so it's not a recommendation so much. It's just like I it's a stated purpose. I want to watch Midsummer by the same director yes. that did uh, Hereditary. Hereditary, right. Which is really good. And it's getting uh, mixed reviews, but the reviews, uh, I, I don't think anyone's calling it a bad film. I think people are just being confused by it. And so it sounds like the sort of film that I will fucking love. Right. Oh, and back to our title um, from Inkheart. Yeah. That movie is with Brendan Fraser. It's extremely enjoyable. And if you have kids, they will love it. It's, it's, so basically, it's about this guy who has this gift where if he reads something out loud, it comes true. But if, when he, like, if it comes true, something from the real world goes into the book. So it's like an, uh, an so even there's exchange. Like a, there's like, yeah, there's a, right? And so, um, yeah. And so then what happens when you read in bad guys? And, you know, and there's a lot of really great actors in it. So That's awesome. Definitely, definitely enjoy them. I enjoyed it quite a bit, so. All right. Well, thank you again, oh, thank guys. You guys. And uh, remember, it's, it's okay, okay to, to sleep, sleep with, with the, the lights, lights on. on.